Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The word of the Lord. Out every week at CCV, what you find is this. We read from the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Hebrew scriptures as they're known and the Christian scriptures combined as to one, Genesis to Revelation. Today we just had one reading. Nearly every week we confess our faith in the words of a creed. Sometimes it's the Nicene or Apostles' Creed, which are historic church documents built on the foundation of scripture, or we will actually cite scripture itself, like Colossians 1, Ephesians 2, Philippians 2, that we state as our faith. Every week you hear a sermon here. Usually it's 30 minutes where we are um, understanding what Scripture, what the Bible has to say, and applying it to our lives. And every week when we have communion, if you actually read through those words and compare them, you will find nearly every word in our communion liturgy is found in the Bible. Our prayers, our songs are built on the truths from the Bible. Why so much emphasis on the Bible? Isn't it just an old, outdated, historic book? Is it even reliable? Doesn't it contradict itself? Each week over the past 10 weeks or so, since the beginning of summer, we've been looking at the primary questions people have of Christians and the challenges they have of Christianity, the Christian faith. This morning, we're looking at the Bible and the questions that people have about it. Can they trust it? Is it reliable? In 2003, Dan Brown wrote The Da Vinci Code. It was a runaway thriller hit. It was so popular that they turned it into a movie three years later with Tom Hanks playing the lead. And in that book, Dan Brown writes a fiction which purports to be a conspiracy, that the church has been holding the truth down for centuries. And the truth is this, that Jesus never really claimed to be God, and that at Constantine, when he was emperor, came in and held down the truth and upheld what he thought he wanted to have happen. So it was a patriarchal culture where Jesus claimed to be God, which was never what anyone believed, and it was Constantine and his people who organized what became the New Testament. So many people read that, saw that, and began doubting the Bible. Even though biblical scholars, secular historians, journalists for the New York Times, and historic fiction writers all contradicted it and said this is absolute fiction and just fiction. But once those doubts have been sown, people have a hard time overcoming them. And the reality is there are actual questions and doubts that people have about the Bible. It is a challenging thing and we can't actually solve all of the questions and problems that people have in a 15-minute sermon today. 
And most likely, even if it was a full-length one, we couldn't. But if you have questions, I'd be glad to take them later in the week, email me, um, and I'd be glad to give you resources that can help you examine it yourself. But just to hit on it lightly, in academic circles, that means colleges, universities, there is a doubt of the historicity of the Bible. You can't trust it historically. It's not historically reliable. And what you often find is that they cite the, the writers of the New Testament and they change the chronology of when it was written. And ultimately, what's behind it is assumptions. In the academic and unbelieving world, there are the assumptions that the miracles that the Bible claims simply can't happen, and nobody would have ever claimed to be God the way Jesus did. So you start with those assumptions, and academic scholars often go about trying to prove how that must be so, that the miracles couldn't have happened and Jesus never claimed to be God. When I was at UVA as an undergraduate student, I was really challenged by professors who didn't believe in Christianity, but they were teaching on the Bible. And they held arguments that suggested you should doubt the Christian scriptures. And I didn't have the arguments to contradict them. Until a decade later when I was doing postgraduate work, and here's what I found. There are academic level works, scholarly level works about the Bible written by people who believe and by those who doubt. The ones that by and large easily are the most plausible and probable are the ones that are written by the faithful. Because inevitably, the simplest solution is the most likely one, which is more likely, that we actually landed a man on the moon or it was in a Hollywood studio. In much the same way, you'll find that the weight of evidence when you examine for yourself the scholarly works out there will support the Christian claims about the Bible. On a more popular level, here's what most people say that if you, if you talked in, in circles in America today, they wouldn't necessarily go the academic route. They would say, look, the Bible is an important book. It's really good, but it's outdated. Everyone knows it's outdated. You can't take it literally. Certainly, you can't take everything literally. I mean, everyone knows like, what it says about adultery or lust, those sorts of things. That's sort of, you know, centuries ago. It even says, don't be drunk. I mean, come on. Now, what we like is the things like forgiveness by grace. We love that part. We just want to pick and choose which parts to keep. For us in our culture, anything that has to do with morality, we don't like. Anything that has to do with easy grace and forgiveness, we love. But that's a cultural bias. If you went to the Middle East today, you would find the exact opposite to be the case. They would have no problem with what Jesus says about adultery or lust. They would actually say Jesus didn't go far enough. I mean, he talked to women in public that weren't his relatives. What they would have a problem with, what they would have a problem with is what the Bible says about forgiveness. In an honor and shame culture where loyalty to clan is demanded, Peter denying Jesus was unforgivable. And mere days after Peter completely denies knowing Jesus in public, Peter is forgiven by Jesus just by sheer grace. That would be completely offensive to the average Middle Eastern mindset. You see, what you find is that each of us have things that we have trouble with in the Bible. And what's interesting is different cultures have different things that they find troubling, which suggests it's possible 
that the Bible is an authority above every culture. It's going to offend and challenge every one of us on some level. And every culture, east to west, past to present to future, will be challenged on some level. Because quite possibly, it's above any given culture, even our own. Don't let your own cultural biases or unexamined assumptions like there can't be miracles cause you to be dismissive. That, that's really just the blanket statement on all of those things. Here's what I will tell you. From an academic and scholarly perspective, from a personal and popular perspective, the Bible has been examined more than any other text ever. It has been challenged more than any other text, and it still stands. It is historically reliable, and it, is, it has theological integrity. It does not contradict itself. If you're here over the course of a year or two, you will hear that. It is the same truth from Genesis to Revelation. So what do we do with the Bible? Well, let's just see what Christianity claims about the Bible, and we'll really finish off with that. What is the Bible? Kids, I need your help here. Here's what many people think the Bible is. Can you tell me what this is? Anybody? Lego what? Instruction manual. Come on, parents, right? You probably have seen one of these too. Lego instruction manual. How about this? Any 16, 17-year-olds ever seen one of these, you drivers out there? 20 years ago, if you were visiting a friend, you actually needed to pull one of these out to find their house. Can you believe that? You drove with one of these. Some people still do. <laughs> Many people think the Bible is like an instruction manual, how to put their life together, or a map, how to get where they're supposed to go. Maybe put them on the right path. That's not what the Bible is. It, it does do that in some way, but that's not what it primarily is. The Bible also doesn't answer how. It doesn't answer how things came about. That's the question of science. Rather, it answers a question science can't answer. Why? Why do you exist? What is our purpose and meaning? Is there a God? Is there eternity? The sorts of questions science can't get to, the Bible gives answers to. It answers why, not how. It also answers who. Do you know what the Bible is more like? It's more like this. Do you know what this is? What is this? It's a letter, right? A letter from a loved one. In fact, this is a love letter from somebody written years ago. You want me to read it to you? My dearest sweet pea, I've been meaning to tell you about blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't actually bring in a love letter. That'd be embarrassing. I just wrote this this morning. But the idea of the Bible is actually more like a love letter than an instruction manual or a map. Because see, if you ever read a letter from one of your kids or a family member, just somebody you're close to, what you find is you actually hear their voice reading it to you. And as you're reading it, you actually find their personality coming out, their frustrations, what they're excited about, what they want to tell you about. You know them through the letter. 
And if you've ever lived a, a distance from somebody like in the military or some other way and you've had to resort to a lot of letter writing or emails, you, you, you feel like you're in relationship with that person because of the correspondence. The Bible claims to be that correspondence to us. It is God's love letter to us. It's how we know about God, what he's like, and his love for us. The Bible is God's letter, God's word for us. And we're called to build our life on it. Listen to what Jesus says in the passage that we just had read. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, hears and does, is like somebody who built his house, laid it on a foundation of rock. What Jesus says, we are to hear and do. Not just hear, you can study, read. It's supposed to change and reorient everything about us. We are to be doers of God's word. Everything in our life, our entire life, built on the foundation of what God has said to us. Because the floods will come. He goes on to say, and when the flood came, the stream arose. The house that had been built on the rock of God's word stood, but the one who heard and does not do, when the stream came, when the floods came, immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Jesus is suggesting this. Floods can indicate like the trials and challenges of life, but actually more likely in a biblical context, that word flood and the idea of flood is final judgment, like Noah's ark, the flood, came for the sin of man. And Jesus is saying this, what you do with my word, what you do with God's word, how you hear and do it, how it changes you, has eternal ramifications. Your life in the end will be proved to be built on Christ and his words or on something else. The Bible is our authority, we say as Christians. It's our authority not on how to add two plus two or how to drive cross country. It's our authority on all things related to God and salvation. The 39 Articles is a 16th century Anglican document that lists out what we believe. And when it talks about the Bible, here's what it says. Holy Scripture, the Bible, contains all things necessary to salvation so that whatever is not read therein nor may be proved thereby is not required of any man that it should be believed as an article of the faith or thought to be requisite or necessary for salvation. Everything you need to know about salvation is here. It is God's final word to us. If you can't prove it from here, if you don't build it from here, it's not necessary. It's periphery to your life and your eternity and your relationship with God and your purpose and meaning. And we'll stand by that here. The Bible claims to be God's self-revelation of who he is and what he has done. Here's how Jesus talks about it. In the, on the road to Emmaus, which was after Jesus died and rose, two disciples are walking along. They don't know that Jesus is risen. And what happens is they have a conversation with each other. Jesus walks up next to them, and they're sad and downcast. And Jesus says, why are you so sad? 
And they say, well, haven't you heard? We thought Jesus was going to be the Savior, the Messiah. He was a man mighty in power indeed, but we saw him crucified, and then they put him in a tomb. And, and what's next? Just this morning, somebody stole his body from the tomb. We thought he was going to be the Messiah. And Jesus says to them, are you that foolish? Are you that slow-witted? Didn't you read in the prophets in the Bible that I was supposed to die? that the Messiah was going to die, be buried, and rise again. And it says, beginning with Moses, the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus tells them the entire Bible, Old and now New Testament, point to him. It was all pointing to him. It was God revealing himself in advance of Jesus coming, testifying to Jesus being here, and then testifying after he left. The Bible points to Jesus. Noah's Ark, you know that story, kids, right? It's about Jesus. Yeah, that's right. God will bring judgment for sin, but he will provide a way out by grace. If you enter that way, you will have life. The Passover, the Exodus story, is about Jesus. Judgment is coming on all of Egypt, including the Jews, unless they kill a lamb and put its blood on their doorposts. The blood of the lamb will save you from God's judgment. On the day of Yom Kippur, this whole system of the Old Testament law, saying you must do this, this, and this, but you're going to disobey, so I will provide a day of atonement when all the sins of Israel will be put on a goat. The goat will be chased out of the community. It will be forsaken, taking your sins with it. One day, the Messiah, the Savior, will come, and he will die and be forsaken and take your sins with it. It all points to Jesus. But many of us read the Bible and think it's all about me. When you think the Bible is about you, you're going to go to it looking for direction, for do's and don'ts, for rules. You will make a religion of it. If the Bible is about you, what you're going to find is you don't need a savior, you just need a roadmap. You don't need grace and forgiveness, you just need more discipline in your life. But the Bible is about Jesus. It's who God is and what he has done. It's the gospel that God made us, we sin, Christ died, and rose again. Put your trust in him. Through the Bible, we know God. Not just about him, we know him. It's actually how we cultivate our relationship with him. We go back to the Bible again and again. So that's why we talk about doing it on your own, having devotions where you read the Bible on your own. It's why we encourage people to be in small groups that'll be starting in a few weeks because you're either studying the Bible directly in many of them or you're looking at books and other studies that are built on the Bible. It's why every week here, we're gonna be reading scripture, the Bible, and having a sermon on it. This fall, we're gonna be in Ephesians. Ephesians is only five pages of my Bible and we're gonna spend 11 Sundays on it because the Bible is not only that easy, but that deep. Everything you need to know can be read by a kid and come to faith. But scholars can pen, spend decades studying passages and never plumb the depth of the goodness and grace of God. So we read it, we study it, we meditate on it, we memorize it, we pray it, we live it, we do it. 
We build our life on it because through it we find life. On the road to Emmaus, after Jesus left the two disciples, they said to one another in verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures to us? The disciples, they said, our hearts burn within us. That doesn't mean they had heartburn. It means literally that their souls came alive as Jesus was explaining the scriptures and how that points to him. And you will find that if you are open and willing, as you enter into the scriptures, it has the power to bring life to your deadness. The Bible says all of us are spiritually dead. We need to be regenerated, made spiritually alive. And by the power of the Spirit working through his word, you can come to life too. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The Bible has the power to be a sword to us. It will convict and challenge us, and if we don't hear and do, it will bring judgment on us in the end. But the Bible is also a life-giving scalpel. If your heart is willing to be open to it and you seek God in it, the Spirit will give life through that same sword that becomes a scalpel. The Bible is not an owner's manual. It's not an instruction manual. It's not a roadmap because the whole thing is about relationship. God wants to be in relationship with you and me. Many of us think about it this way. Hey, Jesus, why don't you get in the car? Get in my car. It'd be great to have you along. You can help navigate. You can warn me if you see a cop up ahead, I'll slow down. Christianity says this. It's rather, Jesus, here's the keys. Not only that, here's the title. It's all yours. You drive, you own. I'm along for the ride. When you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you give him everything. And what he says, or rather, what he has said, is what drives you everywhere. Let's pray.